Good morning. The reading's taken from John, chapter 20, reading verses 19 to 23. On the evening of that first day of the week, when the disciples were together, with the doors locked for fear of the Jewish leaders, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. After he said this, he showed them his hands and his side. The disciples were overjoyed when they saw the Lord. Again, Jesus said, Peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, I am sending you. And with that, he breathed on them and said, Receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive anyone's sins, their sins are forgiven. If you do not forgive them, they are not forgiven. Amen. Good morning. So over the last few months, uh, it's been really great to learn more about the encounters that Jesus had with various people. It has challenged us to discover more about who Jesus is, to get to know his character, and to understand the difference that he makes in the lives of the people that he met. For some of you, perhaps it's been a chance to rekindle a passion and a love for Jesus. And I've been thinking a lot about, is it possible to encounter Jesus and not be changed, moved, or inspired to live differently? Last Sunday, we celebrated Easter Day, and it was fantastic to see such a full church, and I was really, really moved as we sang and as we prayed as we rejoiced at the wonder of the empty tomb, the church full of worshippers proclaiming the truth of the resurrection. So as we reflect on the events of the first Easter Sunday, we will consider both the truth of the resurrection, but also the implication of the resurrection upon our lives. On an individual level, yes, but also collectively, as a church. The passage that Chris read to us is a great bridge between those two themes this year, the theme of discover Jesus and the theme of encounter church. As we begin the second theme, I shall be using this passage to try and answer a question. What is the core identity of the church? And we'll also consider what it is that people see when they look at the church. It's the evening of the greatest day in history. Christ has risen, death has been defeated, humanity restored to relationship with Father God. Because of what Jesus did, all can experience God's grace, his mercy and his peace. And yet we find his disciples locked away in fear. Was Mary's testimony that she'd seen Jesus not enough to convince them of the truth of the resurrection? Were there just too many unanswered questions in their minds? Had they heard the rumours swirling around that the body had been stolen, that the disciples themselves were responsible? Their love and trust for Jesus, overcome by their fears of what other people might be thinking, of what others might do to them. 
into that place of fear, Jesus comes. Just a few days ago, they let him down. They denied they knew him. They'd run away. And now, here is Jesus standing right in front of them. I wonder if they could look at him knowing how they'd let him down. Could you? Maybe they were expecting some sharp words, some criticism. Instead, Jesus offers them his peace. No condemnation, no criticism. In that short greeting of peace, Jesus calms their fears. More than that, he shows that he understands. He understands their doubts and their questions about the resurrection, showing them his hands and side as a clear identification of himself. Now they were sure he was alive. Now they believed the truth of the resurrection. And verse 20 tells us that disciples were overjoyed. I wonder if the disciples recalled the words that Jesus had said to them just a few days earlier. I am leaving you with a gift, peace of mind and heart. And the peace I give you is a gift the world cannot give. So don't be troubled or afraid. That's John 14, verse 27. Jesus' peace is real and present. It is total well-being and inner rest. Perhaps this morning you've come to church and you feel a bit like the disciples locked in that room. You're holding on to fears. Perhaps you have doubts about whether Jesus is who he says he is. You just feel you've got too many questions. Maybe you're feeling some guilt, feeling like you've let Jesus down. Then hear what Jesus says to you this morning. Peace be with you. See what I have done for you. See my hands, my side. See how I love you. Romans 8 tells us there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. In a, a change to the normal pattern of communion services, I'm going to break here and we're going to take communion now before I continue with the rest of this talk. Just as Jesus knew the doubts and failings of the disciples, so he knows our hearts. In these moments, allow Jesus to reestablish his place in your heart and to remind you of your identity as a loved and treasured child of God. Ask for his peace to calm any fears and doubts. Thank him for the truth of the resurrection and for his presence in this place with us now. So uh, it was me that asked for communion to be earlier in the service this morning. Um, it is always so important that we declare together our core beliefs, but at the same time I felt that this morning particularly, we needed to be conscious that Jesus asks more from us. We can't just stop at that point of remembering and celebrating. The passage didn't finish there. Jesus reestablishes his 
relationship with the disciples and then gives them a job to do. They are to continue Jesus' mission on earth. Here in this passage, we see the commissioning of the church. Jesus establishes a pattern for his followers. Believe that I am who I say I am. Believe in the truth of the resurrection and all that was achieved through the cross. Then go into the world and make me known. The disciples that he had called to follow him, he is now sending out. Let's think about that group for a moment. Such an unlikely bunch of people to be given such an important task. They certainly weren't perfect. They had a number of flaws and failings. They were from different backgrounds. They quarreled among themselves. There are loads of times that they didn't understand Jesus' teaching, and they completely failed to grasp the meaning of his words and his actions. But they were the people who had chosen to answer the call when he said, come, follow me. They are those who had left everything, livelihoods, families, and had been transformed by the message of Jesus. Now, they're being sent to live those transformed lives. And we're here this morning because those disciples were obedient, and many who came after them. In obedience, they fulfilled their purpose within God's plan to declare the good news of salvation. Throughout the Bible, we see the mission of God to restore humanity to himself, ultimately by sending Jesus. Here, in this passage, we hear his call to us, his church, to be part of that mission. A group of people from many backgrounds and with different experiences of life and of faith, but connected by our love and trust in Jesus Christ. Like the disciples, we are those moving from those who accept the call to follow Jesus to being those who are sent. And I found this uh, quote that I quite liked, somebody called Daryl Dash. It says, church is both a gathering of people who have had a relationship re-established with Jesus and is also a group of people who have been sent by Jesus into the world to live as he lived, to serve as he served. God is in the business of transforming the world into the place he intended it to be. This is what is often referred to as the kingdom of God. In the kingdom of God, the values of this world are turned on their heads. In the kingdom of God, the poor, the excluded, the unimportant become the most important. Throughout the Gospels, we see how Jesus demonstrated those kingdom values in the way he welcomed the marginalized, showed love to the rejected, cared for those in need. The church is the instrument through which Jesus carries out the purposes of God. But when people look at the church today, does it reflect the same values that Jesus stood for? When people look at church, does it look like Jesus? Are kingdom values reflected in the way we treat one another and in the way we respond to the needs of those in our community? 
The title that I was given for this morning was A Jesus-Shaped Church. And we're sent to make the same difference in the lives of people and community as Jesus did. Living out the mission of Jesus in community, knowing that God is also at work in that community. The work of Jesus on earth, when he was on earth, is an example of what that looks like for us. By studying his character, we will be able to imitate his example. In verse 21, we read those words of commission from Jesus. As the Father has sent me, I am sending you. If we're to understand what it means to be sent by Christ, then we must first understand what it meant for Christ to have been sent from the Father. In John's Gospel, there are over 40 occasions that reference Jesus being sent. I'm not going to look at all of those ones. We'll just look at uh, a few that I've picked out. So in John 12, 44 and 45, Jesus said to the crowd, If you trust me, you are trusting not only me, but also God who sent me. For when you see me, you are seeing the one who sent me. Christ was sent into the world so that people who saw him would see the one who sent him. They couldn't see the Father, but they could see Jesus. Today, we can't see Jesus, but we see his body, which is the church, the representation of Christ on earth. Our lives, individually and collectively, should reflect the image and the likeness of the one who sent us. In John 6:38, Jesus says, For I have come down from heaven not to do my will, but to do the will of him who sent me. Throughout his life on earth, Jesus sought to do the will of his Father. Jesus was sent to serve, to preach, to heal, to forgive. He did all this to please his Father and to bring him the glory. We, therefore, should seek to do the will of Christ, to be less concerned about pleasing others and more concerned about doing what is pleasing to God. Our lives should point only to Christ as we seek to bring him glory. And then in very familiar verses, John 3, verses 16 and 17, For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. We see now in this sending relationship between God the Father and God the Son, that Jesus is framed as God's great gift to the world. Jesus was sent as the Father's ultimate act of love to save the world and not to condemn it, to restore us to right relationship with the Father. Only Jesus could fulfill that. Jesus who, was, who is God and who was with God at the beginning. Jesus, fully God and fully man. For our part, we should be excited by that great news. It's great news to share 
And we should be excited about going out to tell others about all that Jesus has done for us. So I think the words of this song called Send Me Out by Stephen Fee sum up really well what Jesus was calling us to. I have actually changed me and I to we and us to remind us that just like the disciples, this is a collective commissioning. Jesus, Lord of my salvation, saviour of my soul, send us out into the world to make you known. Jesus, King of every nation, this world's only hope, send us out to the world to make you known. We want to be your hands and feet. We want to be your voice every time we speak. We want to run to the ones in need in the name of Jesus. We want to give our life away all for your kingdom's sake. Shine a light in the darkest place in the name of Jesus. Carry to the brokenhearted mercy you have shown. Send us out into the world to make you known. And to the ones in need of rescue, lead us, we will go. Send us out into the world to make you known. There is hope for every soul. Send us out. Send us out. It's a big task. However, the good news is that not only has Jesus sent us, he's also sent someone else, the Holy Spirit. To be a Jesus-shaped church, we need to rely on the power of the Holy Spirit, not working in our own strength, but fully dependent on him. His prompting and guidance is essential for us to be effective in our mission. Through the Holy Spirit, God equips us with all that we need. Only through the enabling power of the Holy Spirit can we fulfill our purpose, being transformed into the likeness of Christ and living out those transformed lives. So, to sum this up, we are given both identity and purpose when we accept Jesus. If we accept the truth of his resurrection, then we must also be prepared to accept the implications that his resurrection has on our lives. Are we prepared to be those who are sent? I'm really looking forward to this new theme of Encounter Church as we explore together more of what it means to be church and to do church well. What does it mean to be church in Shirley in 2022? Are we excited by the challenge of new possibilities and new opportunities for service and mission that God may be calling us to? In my introduction, I asked a couple of questions. Firstly, what is the core identity of the church? At its core, the church is the community of Christ's followers who believe in the divinity and resurrection of Jesus Christ and are commissioned to proclaim the good news of his salvation to the world. Those who answer the call to follow then accept the invitation to be sent. We see from this passage the deep relationship between Christ and his church. Our identity as a church will be defined by our likeness to Jesus. And that helps to answer the second question I asked. What is it that people see when they look at the church? Here at SBC, let's be a church that is Jesus-shaped in the way we welcome others. 
Jesus shaped in the way we love others. Jesus shaped as we seek to build and extend God's kingdom in our community. So I'll leave you with uh, this quote from Errol Miller. It says, God's pattern and plan for redeeming and reclaiming his creation is to send believers into the world. Not to be of the world, but to transform the world by his presence and power. The world comes to know the Father by his people living the life of the Son through the enabling of the Spirit. The world comes to know the Father by his people living the life of the Son through the enabling of the Spirit. And we finish this morning by singing two songs together. The first one is a great proclamation of who Jesus is and all that his death and resurrection achieved. The second asks the Spirit to empower, equip, and enable us to fulfill our purpose as the church. May we be those who burn with passion to follow Jesus into the world.